This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. You're experiencing a multi-platform broadcast. I'm Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante, also a literary curator for the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. And I'm so happy to be chatting with a writer who is really well known and is part of the Texas Authors Series, which takes place every first Friday of the month at the Latino Bookstore. I want to say hi to her first, Guadalupe Garcia McCall. Hey, welcome to our show and so looking forward to having your books at the Latino Bookstore. I am so excited to be here and thank you so much for making Rinconcito for me. Uh, no, it really is our pleasure. So we're going to be chatting with you about your trajectory, about your works, your inspirations. And we want to let folks know too that this is going to be recorded. It is. It begins live. However, with our Nuestra Palabra multi-platform broadcast, we wind up posting it on social media. You'll see the video on fox26houston.com. You'll hear the audio on 90.1 FM KPFT, which is a listener-sponsored radio station. So I do want to remind folks that if you can, Please make a donation to kpft.org in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers have in their say. It's a nonprofit organization, but your contribution helps us do our part to keep this wonderful experiment and freedom of speech continuing. And then, of course, what I really love about our movement is that we wind up coming to you in person. The other thing I want to add is Guadalupe's books are a great addition to your family library or a great way to start your family library as well. And uh, Lupe, before I read your formal bio, where exactly are you are you sitting right now? I am sitting in my office in Helotus, Texas, um, looking out at the trees. Ah, que bonito. <laughs> que bonito. Well, I do want folks to know that you were born and raised in Eagle Pass. I, la gente está aplaudiendo right now. Right, the Eagle Pass folks. And folks should know that you're an award-winning author. You write many young adult novels. You've written short stories for adults and also many children's poems. You've received, and this is such an important award, the prestigious Pura Belepre Award, a Westchester Young Adult Fiction Award, the Tomas Rivera Mexican American Children's Book Award, Really fantastic recognitions and many other accolades as well. You're currently a visiting professor in the Master of Fine Arts Creative Writing Program at Antioch University in Los Angeles. As a writer, poet, speaker, and educator, Guadalupe advocates for literacy, diverse books, and own voices. I love that. That aligns with everything that we're about. You live in South Texas where you're working on two novels coming from Bloomsbury in 2023 and 2024, 
We hope that the Latino bookstore will be fundamental <laughs> in your book tours. Uh, and we hope that folks will take this opportunity to meet you in person. Some folks have not met a Latina writer in person. Mm -hmm. Some folks have met dozens. We want everyone to meet dozens of our authors. And some people are learning to become writers. They can ask you about their inspirations. They can get their book signs. They can take a picture with you. And more than anything, we want them to know that you're actually building up the community cultural capital of the west side of San Antonio, of San Antonio and all of Texas, because this is a visiting center for all of Texas. And tell us a little bit about your trajectory into writing. So when did you know that you wanted to become a writer? I wanted to become a writer the minute my daddy put a pencil in my hand. I was five years old. We lived in Mexico because I'm from Piedras Negras. That's where I was born. And my father put a pencil in my hand and he said, we need to learn the English. We need to learn how to read and write so that you can go to school in the United States when we move over there and you can be successful. And he made the letter S and he and he showed me with his own hand and it's it was an S is a serpiente sitting up on its tail. And then we made a cochinilla with the letter C and I was like, this is it. This is what I wanna do for the rest of my life. I wanna make magic with my pencil. And so that was really the beginning of it. I never really let go of that dream. Oh, that is such a wonderful story to share, especially with, with your papa. Was it a bilingual household? My daddy and my mommy were from Mexico. They were from Piedras Negras, Coahuila. My father was actually from further down. He was from Guerrero, Coahuila, which is, uh, there's a ranchito, muchos municipales. And he was from San Vicente. And so we spoke only Spanish. But my father was working in the United States since he was 15 years old. So he had um, limited English proficiency. And with that limited English proficiency, he was able to do very well in the United States and become a carpenter. Wow, that's beautiful. So you were speaking Spanish 24-7. Yes, except when he was teaching me the English, which is what he called it. Vamos a hablar el inglés that's beautiful. Now, and did you continue pursuing your love of stories? And did you know you were writing your own stories that would potentially become books? How did that unfold? Well, it's really interesting because I really loved stories. And so I remember being in third grade and Mr. Hernandez, who was my very first male teacher, asked us to write a short story. And I thought, this is it. This is what I get to do to impress him. I am going to write him the best story ever. He's going to love it. Well, it was due on Monday and I was supposed to take the weekend to do it, but I actually took much more than that. It wasn't until Friday that I turned it in. And by then he was really questioning me and asking me where his homework was, where my where the story was. And so when I turned it in late, I, I was very sneaky. It was third, I was in third grade. So I snuck up to his desk when he wasn't looking and I put it under other papers, but he caught me. So then he went back to his desk and he started reading it. And that's when I found out that Mr. Hernandez does not speak or write English. I mean, Spanish, he only wrote English. And so he asked, he called me to his desk and he asked me, to explain some of these words that I had used because they were in Spanish. And see, I was just fresh out of the bilingual program and this was a monolingual classroom. So he asked me, 
what's this word? And it was the word Lola. And I said, oh, that's a hill. And then he said, oh, okay. And he asked me a few more. And then we came to the word Cerro. And he said, what is that one? And I said, um, that's a bigger hill. And he said, I don't understand. So Loma and Cerro are the same word. And I said, yeah, but Cerro is a, big, a little bit bigger, not a mountain, but bigger. And then he said, so I don't understand. Why did you use Cerro instead of Loma? Why not just use the same word? And I said, because my daddy says you never want to bore your reader. And he threw his head back and he started laughing. And I didn't understand why he was laughing. But then he looks at me in a funny way and he says, Miss Garcia, I think you're going to be a writer. And the way he said it, it just made that tiny little seed that was already in my heart start to sprout. And I realized, yes, this is it. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I want to write letters. I want to be a writer. And I walked around for days after he said that, believing it. That is beautiful. Oh my goodness. And shouts out to Mr. Hernandez <laughs> and the power of teachers, right? How they can influence us. And, and here you are remembering that story and sharing with us from way back. How magical. Pero tenías un don también entonces. right? <laughs> I think it has to do with the fact that we're all storytellers in my house. My mom was a storyteller. Her comadres would come over and they would storytell. And my, we went to the rancho with my dad and we would be hearing stories around the campfire. So it was my favorite thing to do, to go collect stories, to go listen to stories. And so I just grew up loving that part of being in my family. So I think it's just hereditary. It's in the culture. That's fantastic. You know what, too? I think I think what's beautiful, too, is that you're giving back as well through telling these stories. Um, so that was early on. Tell us a little more than how you continued on your path towards becoming a scholar um, you know, and someone that expresses their stories. Because that's really early. So you still have, <laughs> you still have like a, few, a few years between then and now. A few um, decades, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> So I was teaching English to an eighth grade class because I went to Salt Ross State University in West Texas from Eagle Pass. Uh, I went over there and I became an English teacher and I moved to San Antonio to teach full time after about two years of teaching in Eagle Pass. My husband and I decided that this was where we wanted to be. And I was teaching um, an eighth grade class and there was this group of boys who were really loving basketball and the NBA and their dreams were to be in the NBA. And so they weren't really interested in my English class, but I really wanted them to, to love English, to love language, to discover what language can do for us and communication and how important it is for us as Hispanics to communicate well and to be able to move in, in the world with our wonderful stories, carrying them with us, but at the same time, be able to communicate them to others and make ourselves be seen and heard. But uh, they were not very interested. And so I had gone to an in-service and they said, what you need to do, all of us that were there, 
is get something from her curriculum, something you love, and teach it with the passion that you have for that one little teak or that one little objective in all the objectives in your classroom. And I went to bed that night and I thought, okay, so what is the one thing that I can really, really teach passionately? And then I thought, poetry. Poetry is mi mole, right? And so I'm going to teach poetry. And I went and dug up my, my teaks and I started dreaming up my lesson. And that lesson turned into many lessons. And I, so the next morning I came in and I sold it. I told my students, uh, especially that class, because that class of, of gentlemen that were not interested in, in English too much more um, was my first period. And so I said, we're going to write a poem every day. We're going to learn a new literary device every day. You'll write a poem using that device. And then by the end of the 30 days, by the end of the unit, you'll have a poetry book. And it's going to be so beautiful because this is a poetry book about you and who you are in the world and what you believe in and what you love. And they were all just looking at me like, Solamis, that's what they said. Solamis, you're the only one that likes this. And I said, please don't tell me that. Please, you're breaking my heart right now. I said, just give me one day. Give me one day to show you the magic of story and the magic of putting words on paper that come from your heart. And so they said, okay, okay, okay. So I taught the lesson and it was about similes and metaphors. And they just looked at me and they, they, they didn't get started. And I said, What's the problem? Why won't you write? And one of them said, it's hard. It's hard. And I thought, it's not hard. It's easy. And they, one of them in the very back, he says, well, if it's so easy, why don't you do it? And it's that moment that you can either be upset or you can take the challenge. And I start, I went like this, oh my goodness, it's a challenge. Guys, you don't know who you're dealing with. You're talking to the princess of poetry, the, the queen of prose. I am going to show you how I do it. I'm going to write a poem. It's going to have six stanzas. And every stanza is going to have either a metaphor or a simile. And I'm going to do it really quickly. And they said, how, how, how can you do it in 20 minutes? And I said, I'm going to do it in 20 minutes. And I said, I take everything from memory. I close my eyes. And I do that thing that happens to all of us when you're like washing dishes or, do, you know, changing a tire. And all of a sudden you remember something that happened to you and it makes you laugh or it makes you mad or it makes you wonder. And so all of those memories that come back again and again and again are actually poems waiting to be born. And so you owe it to yourself to find out what that memory means why it's trying to come back out. And so I did the poem, I, 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 uh, I wrote a poem for them and I called, I started like this. I said, okay, I'm gonna close my eyes. It is Sunday and the sun and the sky is an Aztec God so powerful. You can go blind if you stare too long. I am a water sprite. I mean, I'm a mermaid because we are in the, Rio Grande, and I break through the water like a mermaid, bronze and beautiful. And they were like, oh, 
And I said, and my sisters are water sprites and they're holding all these pretty rocks in the calcetines. And now the calcetines look big enough to fit Bigfoot. And so they were laughing along with me. They thought it was hilarious. That I, that I had all these memories, but I was writing them up there and I have Spanish words in them. And I had my dad who was like as red as a crawfish and my mom who watched us with her eagle eyes. And when they looked at that, they were like, oh my God, this is, this is poetry. And I said, yeah, this is poetry. So anyway, make a long story short. They wrote beautiful poems. It worked wonderfully. Um, the next day they did it again and I did it again. I wrote, they wrote, I wrote, they wrote. So this went on for 30 days. It worked so well. At the end, they had these beautiful books and it worked so well that I thought I'm going to do this every year. So I did it for 10 years and every poem I wrote with my students went into a file. And at the end of the 10 years, they moved me to another part of the school and they said, Ms. McCall, you're going to be, you know, from in the 300 hall. So I was purging and I found that po that poetry file and I took all those poems and I started purging them and I found that most of them were about my childhood and most of them were really beautiful memories I've, I had about being a Mexicanita, living on the border, swimming the Rio Grande, going back and forth to the rancho, to my grandmother, to my tios, to my cousins. And I thought, I think I wrote a book. So I took that manuscript and I sent it out and lo and behold, that became Under the Mesquite and that got a lot of awards and it just changed my life. And that's how I became a writer. Wow. That, felicitaciones. That is wonderful. And I think people have to understand the passion you bring to the table. But I also love what you said about teaching in that you had that moment where <laughs> either... <laughs> Either the students, they're being traviesos or, or they're challenging you, pushing you. And you said you wanted to channel it. And it also takes a leap of faith to, to be vulnerable in front of the students. So, yeah. te felicito. I want people to know that this is who they get to meet when they come to meet you at the Latino bookstore or where they're picking up your books, because some of it can be intimidating. So I do want to get to, to you reading some of your work from uh, your new book, Echoes of Grace, but do me one favor, because I think what might happen is that some folks might be intimidated by bookstores in general and even our Latino bookstore because they're going to think, you know, I don't like to pick up books. I'm not good at writing. Oh, my goodness. Here is someone that won an award. They're going to look down on me. They're going to judge me. It's for people that are highfalutin. Um, what would you say to those que tienes inquietud o, o, o mejor les da pena ir a nuestra tiendita? ¿Qué piensa usted que les puede decir? Las palabras son para todos. Los libros nos pertenecen a todos. Para eso lo escribimos. Por eso ponemos las palabras en, en las páginas y las mandamos y las hacemos. No para agarrar, uh, you know, gain awards. We do it to give back our stories to our community. So they are not my books. They're 
your books. Therefore, my gente, my estudiantes, my niños, my, my tías, my tíos, my primos, anybody who can, who loves to just hear a good story. If you love to hear a good story, come by, talk to us, listen to us, and maybe pick up a book and listen to it. Listen to yourself, read it to someone. And I'm not going to talk about the specific date you'll be at the Latino Bookstore because your books will be there. And you mentioned future publications. So we're, we're partners now. So when folks, <laughs> when folks watch this and you touch their heart, I don't want them to be sad because they may have missed that one date that we had talked about you being there because there'll be other times as well. More importantly, they can pick up your book and – Maybe you just got through to some folks that have been either intimidated or maybe they're just tired. You, yeah. They're working all day. They're not sure if they can really muster the energy to invest in this one extra errand. But but I think you're touching some folks' hearts. Uh, and, and uh, of course, we will continue to post dates for the Latino Bookstore. It's open throughout the week. And we want to encourage folks to, to come and support and to, and to support all the writers. Um, but I would like to talk about your new book, Echoes of Grace. I'd love for you to tell folks a little bit about it and read some excerpts from it as well, por favorcito. Great. So Echoes of Grace is my new book. And it is a YA book, which means it's for high school students. I have other books for middle school students and even elementary, but this one is for high school. It touches on some things that are a little bit more grown up. Um, that are not for middle school. But it is the story of Grace and Mercy, who are sisters. And Grace blames for herself for that terrible accident that has caused a huge pain, a huge open wound in her sister's heart. And so they're trying to find, she's trying to find a way back to her sister, who is right now not ready to forgive her not ready to even talk to her because the terrible accident that happened um, really, really changed Mercy's life. And so the problem, the biggest problem is that she can't get Mercy's forgiveness and Mercy's grace. And so that is the biggest problem. But the second biggest problem is that she has these echoes. And these echoes are these strange visions that come with sights and sounds and smells. And so she cannot just see them, but she can hear them and she can smell them and she can actually touch and feel them. And when she's in those echoes, she doesn't understand what's going on. And so some people, especially her grandmother, they thought that something was wrong with her and that she needed a psychiatrist, but really it's not. It's a don that she has, a gift that her mother had. Now, she can't talk to her mother about it because her mother was murdered when she was little. And so she doesn't understand whatever happened to her mother. Her mother's not there to tell her. She can't talk to her mother about the echoes. She can't talk to her father, and Mercy just doesn't even understand it at all. And so that is part of the mystery of the book. What are the echoes for? What are they trying to tell her? And so I wanted to read to you, rather than explain them too much more, I wanted to read to you the part where she explains them. 
I try to stay present, like Mercy warned, but then something has changed, and I know it's happening again. That weird thing Juanita Rosa calls echoes, the dawn, a kind of woman's intuition with sights and sounds and smells shared by most of the women in my family, starts to manifest something before me. I stand very still, trying not to be overwhelmed, waiting for the premonition to not to pass through me as it does most times. The morning light pulses and wavers, making each bristle of dark hair on the caterpillar glint and bounce back light. Suddenly, I am somewhere else. The echo is clear as raindrops shimmering on freshly polished black patent leather shoes, and I am suspended in another time, another space. A light breeze filters through the dead leaves of the mulberry tree, and the caterpillar's fuzzy hairs tremble. The soft red belly starts to quiver and palpitate, as if something inside of it is trying to push itself out. Spotted wings like white oleander blossoms burst through the caterpillar's back and almost as quickly desiccate and drop off. Delicate yellow sprouts begin to break through the tender segments of flesh. They spiral upward and outward, spiny horns that grow and grow, but then the flesh darkens and dulls, and one after another, the black bristles fall off and lie glistening on Alexander's hand like dark poisoned pine needles and hundreds of tiny, white, starving maggots, thin and spindly as grass roots, crawl out of it. They devour the moist innards so fast, so swiftly. It frightens me, and I slap the dead thing out of Alexander's hand. And the caterpillar goes flying, and um, she doesn't quite understand what that means, but it is part of the mystery, the big mystery of her life and the generational trauma that has followed this family from Juelitas to mothers and now to, to grace and mercy. And the, the trauma that living in a world where the patriarchy is the dominating oppressive power that it has been for so many women in the world, not just in, on the border, but all over the world, um, it, it has cost them a lot of great, great um, pain. And there's a lot of um, talk of feminism, but, I mean, I'm sorry, femicide, crimes against women, uh, abuse, neglect. And so all of it is tied in with her echoes because she might not be experiencing some of the horrors that her mothers and her, and her grandmother, her mother and her grandmother have experienced but she is part of that legacy. And so it is all tied in with those echoes. And the language is just beautiful. So you, you take on some very compelling issues. You're part of our community. This is a corazón de nuestra gente. Such powerful language, beautiful imagery, and a great story as well. So, well, thank you so much for dedicating your life to telling our stories. Thank you so much for becoming part of the Latino Bookstore 
familia. And in closing, um, any any parting messages for you've got many fans, uh, but some of your new fans, uh, some folks that may be still wondering if if the Latino bookstore is for them or not, and and maybe some information on where they can keep track of your of your work online. Well, messages. The first thing I want to say: if you are interested in books, please come out and support the Latino book. Uh, bookstore. It is so important that we support each other, that we come around and, and say, hey, what do you have next? What is coming next? And so on that note, I'll say you, you can find my books in uh, independent bookstores like the Latino uh, bookstore, but you can also find them online. And you can find me on Twitter at Gigi McCall, or you can find me on Instagram as Guadalupe McCall. And I also have my own page, Guadalupe, I'm sorry, ggmccall.com. with a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. We start on social media, we're going to go to the airwaves, and of course, we always wind up in person. Today, we are meeting a new member of the book community. Well, she's a new member in her new capacity, but she's always been a part of the community, and we want to welcome her and tell folks how she'll be changing the world in her new role. She is Alma Piña, who is the Latino Bookstore's manager. Hey, congratulations, first of all, Alma. Thank you so much. It is such an honor to be here in Metal Wessel, here in San Antonio, uh, working with the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. It is truly an honor to be here. And when we say that you just started, you literally just began the position, right? Correct, about two weeks ago. That's fantastic. Well, we're excited because I want people to appreciate how the Latino bookstore is growing. It just celebrated its first anniversary, but it's it's growing in different ways, especially the infrastructure. And this is the first time we're going to have a dedicated manager who will be working on all the so many details that it takes to keep a bookstore going, especially the Latino bookstore. So first of all, though, you're a, a fantastic person, a fantastic member of Nuestra Comunidad. So tell folks a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I am the daughter of a Chicana actress, performance artist, uh, Ruby Nelda Perez. And uh, my father does Teatro Chicano uh, here in San Antonio internationally. Um, so I do have a very diverse background uh, in Chicano world. Um, but I did go to college for merchandise, business, and fashion, which is truly my passion. It really is. So the stars aligned when the Latino bookstore opened and gift shop. Um, so it is a great opportunity for me here. We're, we're excited. And for folks who may not know, the Latino bookstore is located on the campus of the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center on the west side of San Antonio, which is now part of the West Side Arts District. It is a statewide visitor center. And I want to emphasize, you're right there in San Antonio. The bookstore is open daily. I'm talking to you from Houston. I'm proud to be the literary curator. I'm Tony Diaz, the Libre Traficante. But 
this has to be a bookstore that is successful, cultivating the cultural capital of the West Side, San Antonio and Texas. But also we want to share it with the entire country because it is one of the few Latino bookstores in the country. Um, we suspect it's the only one in Texas. Our, our love to any other Latino bookstore that may be out there. We'd love to connect and support each other. But there are not too many right now. Um, and, and those are the basic concrete details for folks that want to come learn about the culture on any given day. But what are some of your dreams and visions for the Latino bookstore? Because you do have a fantastic resume that we're going to need. And we can talk about how those details will help us. But at the end of the day, I know that this isn't just a job for you. Correct. Correct. So uh, in college, I worked, I went to a tech school in Chicago. I got a BA uh, like I said, in merchandise and business. Uh, but I did intern at, with Bloomingdale's through their international marketing department. So through there, I was able to meet a lot of culturas and uh, capture a lot of reporting and see how they reach their communities. Um, but in a very corporate type setting. Um, so being here is, again, a true honor. Um, but... I'm sorry. <laughs> Can I start over? <laughs> we are live, just so you know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but that's okay. But people want to hear you talk from the heart. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you are you're committed to this position, and you're bringing your corazón to the table. And and sometimes, uh, you know, it's hard for our words to catch up to the emotion. So you are you are emotional about this position, which isn't typical for a job, right? No, <laughs> I. I can't express the words again of how honored it is um, because it's an institution for Chicano and Chicano arts on the state of Texas. If you Google Latino bookstore, you're not going to see anything other than the Guadalupe Latino bookstore. Um, and that was wild to me to see that. Um, and then you see a few of them in LA, California, but majority uh, the culture here in San Antonio is Latino, Hispanic, Chicano, um, Afro-Latino. And so it is so cool to be in this state right now. As a writer, know that there's so much talent in San Antonio, in Texas. We have a lot of poets, fiction writers, playwrights, some of whom are published by corporate commercial publishing, some of whom are published independently, some self-published. But what I didn't really profoundly understand was all the work it takes to make a bookstore function, regardless of it's Latino or not. And that really varies from very tedious details like inventory, stocking. Um, you know, there's the clover that manages the point of sales. There's paying publishers, paying authors. There's predicting how many books you can have on the shelves. There's merchandising. I think most people don't understand how many details there are, yet you've studied it. What are some more of the list of day-to-day -day tasks that you're juggling right now so that folks can just come and enjoy cultura on different occasions? 
that's a good question. So on the back end, uh, it just starts with organization and getting our ducks in a row to actually have a full functioning facility so we can have the Texas Author Series here and run smoothly. Um, I know I spoke with a woman the other day from the community and, you know, she's doing a lot of mission work, uh, but going to Mexico and it's like, well, how can you bring that here? Not necessarily mission work, but reaching out to the community and bringing books to life um, through possibly maybe having, you know, we have our, our text author series, but a children's series. But I had to explain that, well, it's not just reading a book, it's getting the funds to run a whole building, uh, fixing the air, windows. Um, you know, we do have uh, some damages that we do need to get fixed on an older institution building. And uh, so I said, you know, it's, it's not that simple, but trust me, I do want to get there uh, to make books accessible uh, to the younger crowd, to the youth, to the people in need that may not be able to afford these Amazon prices, much less uh, get access to the internet to purchase mm -hmm. these books. Uh, we can have it here on the West side. So it does take a lot of work, um, but I'm willing to do it. That's fantastic. And I want to tell people, too, the more they support the Latino bookstore, the more staff we can bring on, the more events we can have. Of course, when you purchase a book from the Latino bookstore, you should know that the profits from it, which are not not large, they go to maintain the Latino bookstore as well as the entire Guadalupe Cultural Arts Complex and support the community. The other thing I want to point out is that right now, because of the size of the staff, we do have two pillar events and we've added a third component. So we have the Texas Author Series. We also have Saturday Books and a new component that we have are uh, special charlas with parents from Breckenridge Grammar School, which is right across the street. And we get a chance to bring them over on a Thursday right after school. They have a little snack. Uh, we give a little talk uh, in this, this next week. Um, I'm sorry, this next time around in November, we're going to have local San Antonio visual artist and writer Javier Garza give a special workshop for the parents and students on Day of the Dead that it's art-based. But I think that's fantastic because it's meeting the parents on their terms, make them familiar. They will get um, a free free book when they visit. If other folks want to be involved, they can just drop us a line. Also, the writers are available to visit schools and we can visit uh, middle schools, uh, grammar schools, as well as high schools, as well as universities. But also because every first Friday is the session of the Texas Author Series, we have coming up on Friday, November 4th, a fantastic writer, Guadalupe Garcia McCollin. You've got her book right there. Uh, yes. Why don't you hold up the book and tell folks what time they can come? Oh, okay. So, well, the bookstore is open. Here, it's going to be better. Tuesday through Saturday. 10 to 4 p.m. And again, you can always call us um, to see when we are available to you if you want to go by appointment as well. Um, but yes, the Texas Author Series First Friday is going to have Echoes of Grace, Guadalupe, Garcia McCall. Uh, I believe it starts about 2 o'clock or so um, this time around uh, and ends till 3. But it is a good opportunity for Q&A question answers get your book signed, and of course, come visit the Latino Bookstore uh, for all the merchandise we are giving you. 
Well, well, and I'll be there at two for a special workshop, but the, the reading for Guadalupe will be at 6 p.m., which is basically the first pillar event that we started with, which was the Texas Author Series every first Friday. So that is free, uh, and that'll be at 6 with Guadalupe Garcia McCall. And this is a great chance for folks to come and either start their family library, replenish their family library. You can meet a, a writer talk to them, ask them about their inspirations, ask them questions about the work, get a picture with them and get them to sign your book. But we have other events. So I'll be there during the day as well. And then the day before, we'll also have parents coming in from Breckenridge. But again, we hope that the more support we get, the more staff we can hire, and then we can add more and more events. But like you say, like, I, I love that you're willing to meet with people and, and talk to them about other ways to work with us together. And, and slowly but surely, we can keep going. Um, do me a favor, Alma. Can you give the address out one more time and the website so folks can just keep track of what we're doing? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I do encourage everyone to go to www.guadalupecultoralarts.org. There you'll find a full schedule of our Texas Author Series along with the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center program calendar as well. Thank you so much, Alma. We're really excited about working with you. Thanks, folks, for tuning in. We will see all of you at the bookstore at the Texas Author Series or one of our future events. I'm Tony Diaz, Libre Taficante, curator for the Latino Bookstore, and really happy to serve you. Gracias. Thank you so much, Tony. I'm the literary curator for the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. The bookstore is open throughout the week. You can go to the website for the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center for the changing dates. We're going to have Guadalupe's book there as well as so many others. And this is your chance to meet not just her, but other writers, especially some that write about history. So there's some cookbooks, always something cultural. And of course, we tie in all the other art forms in the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. So... Thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you at the arts. Gracias. Gracias.